A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. What is up, Rush Nation? Welcome into another week of the Monday Night Staff Takeover. As always, I am your host, Ash, and this week I am riding solo. Lee is still on holiday, Rich was unavailable, so I've taken up the mantle of doing the pod on my own this week. As always, we're going to be reviewing the Sunday games in the NFL. Um, Let's get straight into it, and we're going to start over in the UK uh, with the Panthers beating the Bucks 37-26 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. This was a very impressive display by the Panthers, mainly on the defence. They took advantage of Winston for much of the day. James Bradbury was an absolute phenomenal talent through the whole game. He ended with 10 tackles, 4 passes defended, and 2 interceptions. The Panthers also managed to shut down the Bucks' running game whilst causing Winston all sorts of issues. Probably a highlight of the day for, of this season for McCoy. He ended with two and a half sacks against his former team. And on the offensive side of things, Carl Allen has recorded his fourth win as a starter. They were previously 0-2 before Cam Newton went down injured. Carl Allen's come in and done a really good job relieving him. And Ron Rivera's going to have a very difficult decision to make when Cam Newton is back to full health. Will they bench Carl Allen? It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to do that when he's playing so well. He ended the day... 
funny completions of 32 attempts, 227 yards and two touchdowns with no interceptions. Alongside that, Christian McCaffrey had a, a quieter day. Bucks' impressive defence managed to bottle him up for most of the day. He only finished with 57 yards total, but he did get two touchdowns. That saved his day, obviously, for fantasy. But he, he's a, a very impressive player and he'll continue to perform this year. And he's in the running for the MVP uh, at this early stage. The only other highlight from the Panthers side of things was Curtis Samuel. He ended the day with four catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and he did also run in one touchdown from eight yards as well. Moving on to the Buccaneers, as I've previously mentioned, Winston had a very poor game. He threw five interceptions, only one touchdown. He did end the day with 400 yards. But like I say, he, he, he went back to his former self, the one that the Bucks fans unfortunately have come to know through much of his career. He's had a good few weeks, but he was certainly back to his uh, his former ways on Sunday, and it, it proved on the first play of the game, he threw an interception, and it just got worse from there. Five interceptions, and he also lost a fumble and was sacked seven times in the backfield. I, I like him still as a quarterback, but after this display, it's, it's hard to trust him, especially in fantasy. You never know what you're going to get. Obviously, those, those interceptions killed him today, and it killed the Bucks overall. The Panthers, like I say, stuffed the Buccaneers for a majority of the game. They, there was not much to talk about in terms of the running game. Barber finished with 28 yards from eight attempts. Jones did get a touchdown, but apart from that, he only got 10 yards. Obviously, with, with Winston throwing 400 yards, the, the, the receiver's are always going to have a good day. Chris Godwin continues his impressive year. He ended the day with 151 yards off 10 receptions. Uh, and Mike Evans almost got to the 100-yard mark, but not quite. He finished with 96 yards off of nine receptions. Not not much else to talk about from there. Obviously, it's the second game in the UK. And like I say, the Panthers, Panthers come away with this one with the win. We will move on to the next game, which is the Eagles at the Vikings. The Vikings came away a 38-20 victory. And this was very much down to the defence causing Eagles all sorts of problems. Wentz looked uncomfortable in the pocket for most of the game. He was pressure constantly leading to a lot of incomplete passes. He ended the day with 306 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. But like I say, the, the Vikings put all sorts of pressure on him and he he just he couldn't he couldn't handle it for much of the game. Jordan Howard has been impressive the last few weeks and has sort of he, he got a grasp of this running game ahead of Sanders, but he he was rather inefficient. Thirteen attempts for only forty nine yards. Miles Sanders himself he was only given three rushing attempts for six yards. He did, however, look quite good in the passing game. Three receptions, 86 yards and a touchdown. And then the only other player of note on the offence was Alshon Jeffrey, who caught 10 receptions, 76 yards and one touchdown. But like I say, the, the Vikings defence caused Eagles problems throughout. And Carson Wentz, he, he wasn't terrible, but he just couldn't get much done. He wasn't given any time. On the Vikings side of the ball, obviously, like I say, their, their D was very, very impressive. But the offence did their job too. Obviously, the Eagles, are they've got a lot of injuries at the moment. Cousins took full advantage of that, ending up with 22 completions from 29 attempts. 333 yards, four touchdowns and one interception. And it, it looked good for, for Diggs and Phelan. Obviously, we are all well aware of the displeasure that they've 
both voiced publicly uh, with Cousins and with the passing game for the Vikings. This week, though, uh, Stefan Diggs got his turn. Seven receptions, 167 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he looked very good, um, as he always does when he gets the ball. Um, and it's good to see that Cousins targeted him. Adam Phelan did also get good showing. He six receptions, 57 yards and a touchdown. And I think it would just do, do both the players a world of good with this sort of display. Um, and obviously, Phelan's display last week, it will put a lot of the displeasure that they've had. And hopefully, a lot of the trade rumours, particularly around Biggs, they should be put to bed now, as long as Vikings can continue to put the put the passing game right. In terms of the rushing game, we know Alvin Cook has been phenomenal for the whole season. Uh, he was largely kept quiet this week. 16 attempts, 41 yards and one touchdown. Alexander Madison, he was very impressive and was given 14 attempts of 63. I would say if Cook misses any time, the Vikings are not going to struggle in the rushing game because Alexander Madison is a very good talent and a very good backup to the cook uh, and as he's shown today he can also relieve cook to take away some of that workload because we've seen for the last two seasons that Cook's body can go against him and quite a high candidate for injury I hope he doesn't because like I say he's been incredibly impressive so far this year um, and I, I hope he can continue that um, we know the Vikings do rely on the on the rushing game a lot um, as you can see from today they, they attempted 30 rushing attempts to 29 passing but this Eagles defense sort of gave them gave them a lot of the game with the with the players they've got injured that's the main takeaways from from that game uh, there's not really much else to talk about to be honest um so we'll, we'll move swiftly on to a game I don't suspect we'll we'll have too much to talk about the Redskins at the Dolphins obviously two winless teams the Redskins did win this one 17-16 to, to record their first victory of the year and the first victory for Bill Callahan after he was obviously took charge, interim charge with Jay Gruden being fired last week. And he did keep true to his words. He said that he wanted to establish his offense through the run game um, and he certainly did that. Adrian Peterson was given 23 rushing attempts and that resulted in 118 yards. And yeah, the, the O-line, which has been horrendous for much of the year, they were able to compete with the Dolphins, which allowed Peterson a lot of yards. He looked strong. He doesn't look like a 35-year-old running back, but obviously we've all seen for years and years what AP can do. Keenan was back under centre. He wasn't asked to do much because obviously they, they wanted to run as much as possible through Adrian Peterson. But when he did, he looked comfortable. And it's good that he's back because obviously one of my favourite rookies of the year so far is Terry McLaurin. And when Keenum's under centre, he he looks for him often with McLaurin finishing 100 yards and two touchdowns on the day from four receptions. He is the go-to receiver for the Redskins. He is very, very good in his route running and has impressive speed. With the Dolphins, another quarterback change. Rosen this time was benched. He was pressured throughout. He looked lost behind a very poor offensive line. He took five sacks and threw two horrendous interceptions. He was eventually replaced by Fitzpatrick in the fourth quarter whilst they were losing 17-3. Um, and Fitzpatrick did, did reasonably well. He almost got them back into the game. He led them to a touchdown on the first drive and then he almost got them back in the game completely. Unfortunately, though, they um, failed on the two-point conversion and obviously the Redskins were able to see out the game. But I'd be interested to see if Fitzpatrick's back under centre next week after being originally replaced by Rosen. To be honest, with the way the Dolphins' season are going, they 
I can see this happening a couple of times this year. They are quite clearly on for the number one pick, but they, they, they tried to win this game today. So at least it shows that they're not intentionally tanking too much. That's about it for that game, though. Like I say, there's not much to talk about. Two lacklustre teams and not, not much to expect from them. We'll move on to a much more exciting game between two standout teams so far in the AFC. The Texans visited the Chiefs um, and the Texans did walk away over this 31-24 victors. From the Texans side of things, Deshaun Watson, he wasn't overly impressive in the passing game, but he got the job done. 30 completions off 42 attempts, 281 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. It was the rushing game for him that won it. 10 rushing attempts, 42 yards and two touchdowns. This was the first game between Watson and Mahomes. Obviously, these, these two quarterbacks are two of the best already in the league and will be for many, many years to come and see them in the near future potentially fighting um, AFC title, obviously once Brady's gone. But yeah, Watson won this one out rather surprisingly. I was expecting the Chiefs to take this one, but on the other, on the offensive pieces, Carlos Hyde, despite his fumble early on, uh, he recorded his first 100-plus yardage game since 2017. 26 attempts, 116 yards and one touchdown. The other running back in the game, obviously Duke Johnson. He only got five attempts for 34 yards on the ground. However, he did catch a touchdown from Watson. DeAndre Hopkins, I don't really know what to make of him this year. He looked very good today and he did prove pivotal in the victory from an NFL standpoint, catching an eight-yard pass late in the fourth quarter on a fourth down, which still came for them. Again, another game without a touchdown. He finished today nine for 55 uh, and he hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. Now, that's not to disparage his talent. He is clearly one of the best wide receivers in the league. But for the amount that a lot of people invested in him in drafts, they will be very disappointed, myself included. I own him in a couple of leagues. And let's just hope that he can turn it around and start taking advantage of, of Watson. Obviously, Watson and Hopkins are going to go hand in hand. If Watson doesn't have the most impressive display in the passing game, Hopkins will struggle. And the Texans do have a few good offensive options, but Hopkins is clearly the the number one. He will be targeted by the defence, but hopefully as the season progresses, he can improve. And another big factor for the Texans, for the second week in a row, the O-line didn't give up a sack. Uh, a massive improvement for them, which is, I mean, the, the Texans O-line is quite clearly one of the weakest of their their team in terms of positions, but not giving up a sack for two weeks in a row has certainly helped them. And Obviously, they were able to see out the victory. Moving on to the Chiefs. Two weeks, two losses for the previous unbeaten Chiefs. They are still one of the favourites in the AFC despite this loss. But it will hurt them, especially as the Texans are arguably a playoff contender. This is the sort of game that you would have wanted the, uh, the, the Chiefs to win. But like I say, I still see them in the playoffs come the end of the season. Mahomes looked reasonably solid he ended the day 19 on 19 completions off 35 attempts 273 yards three touchdowns and one interception that was actually Mahomes first interception in 292 attempts it was good to see Tyreek Hill back and to be honest it was like he'd never left looking electric as ever uh, Mahomes looked for him as often as he could obviously there were times where Hill was rested this was his first game since week one which so it was understandable but arguably the standout play of not only his and Mahomes' day, but the whole game was the 46-yard touchdown where uh, it was third and 21. Mahomes threw it up to him and Hill leaped between two defenders on the one-yard line, 
brought the ball in and managed to go backwards for the touchdown. From a Russian point of view, I mean, it, it wasn't the best display. Uh, the, the, the highest in term of figures is LaShawn McCoy, 8 for 44. It is something that they're going to have to try and improve if they want to be that complete offence. They can only rely on Mahomes for so much. He, he took a few hits today and he's taken a few hits for the last few weeks. It's something that you would hope that they can overcome. But if Mahomes goes down, I will I would be worried for this offence. And then the only other player of note was obviously Travis Kelsey. He didn't get a touchdown, but he had another impressive display. He proves a mismatch for most defenders and he finished the day with four receptions for 58 yards. With Hill hopefully returning next week to full capacity and a full workload, if they can get the, the running game back on track, I, I can see the Chiefs easily making the playoffs and, and arguably tra- challenging for the AFC Championship. So, we will move on to the next game, which will not be a very long one. The Saints visited the Jags. Uh, the Saints came away with this one at 13-6 to six winners. This was very much a defensive display. The Saints' defence in particular were phenomenal, as they have looked all year. They managed to hold the Jags to 226 total yards um, and completely shut down the uh, Minshew mania that's been uh, that's been taking hold of the NFL. From a defensive point of view, Teddy Bridgewater, obviously we all know last week he was he had a standout display with four touchdowns. The Jags' defence, which also played very well, kept him quiet for most of the game. He started quite slow um, and it actually wasn't until the fourth quarter when he was able to turn it on and he was able to secure the victory with a touchdown drive and then he followed that up with a nine play 51 yard drive that took up the remainder of the game which was roughly which was just over six minutes and they were able to obviously see out the uh, the win. Alvin Kamara obviously we've all heard the reports that he was been battling an ankle injury all week he missed some time in practice and it showed today he looked off for much of the game he was inefficient 11 attempts 31 yards and then seven through the air for 35 and you could see at times that it was bothering him he had to go to sidelines a couple of times and obviously Murray came in Davies Murray came in to relieve him he got himself eight for 44. But like I say, I mean, this was very much a defensive display. The only player who scored a touchdown was Gary Cook. He finished the day with three for 37. One bright spark, obviously, Michael Thomas did catch all eight of his passes for 89 yards. But we expect that from him again. He's he's one of the, the top wide receivers in the division, in the league, sorry. Quickly onto the Jags. Like I say, there isn't much to talk about. The Saints shut them down all day. Minshew couldn't get anything going at all he ended the day 14 attempt 14 completions from 29 attempts 163 yards no touchdowns and one interception that was actually his first interception he's thrown as a starter and unfortunately it was a crucial interception because the Saints scored from on the play after the Jags defense kept the minute as long as they could but like I say there was just nothing going on the on the offensive side of things, Fournette um, ended the day with 20 attempts, 72 yards, no touchdowns. He also got 46 through the air, so another game of over 100 yards, but but not much to talk about. And yeah, like I say, the, the Saints won this one, 13-6. So we will move on to the next game, much higher scoring this one. The Seahawks visited the Browns. Uh, and the Seahawks came away with this one, 32-28 to 28 victors. Russell Wilson put on another MVP-level performance, and he is fully in the running alongside uh, a, f- a few other players for the MVP, obviously at this early stage. Um, and the second week in a row, he gave us a fourth-quarter comeback, 
Obviously, he did it against the Rams in week five, and he did it again this week. He ended the day 23-33 attempts, 295 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, and he also got himself a rushing touchdown along with 31 yards off nine rushing attempts. One thing I noticed is obviously we, we all know Wilson is a very good quarterback, but he took full advantage of the gaps that the Browns defence left him. Uh, at times they just sort of parted and there was no one in front of him and he managed to, to get yardage on the ground. From a rushing point of view, I mean, Chris Carson, for the third game in a row, got over 100 yards. He seems to put the fumble issues that he experienced early in the season behind him. And he's quietly going about his business and, and continuing to impress. I mean, he's not He's not one of those running backs that's being shouted in the media or even in the fantasy circles, but he has looked very, very good. At the end of the day, with 24 attempts, 124 yards and one touchdown, uh, and he also caught four balls for 35 yards in the air. But yeah, like I say, he's he's been he's looked very good, and he sort of put Penny as the backup, which many people thought Penny would have a, more of a role. Um, at the start of the season. From a wide receiver point of view, uh, Tyler Lockett got five for 75, no touchdowns. DK Metcalf continued to look good. I've said before, I was not the biggest fan of him coming into the season. He seemed very one-dimensional, but he, he's impressed so far. He finished with the day with four catches for 69 yards. Uh, and then, the surprisingly, the player with the most touchdowns was Jerome Brown. He ended the day three receptions, 29 yards and two touchdowns, largely due to Lockett and Metcalf being targeted by the, the Browns secondary. Jerome Brown was, was able to take advantage of the of that and, and came over the touchdowns. From the Browns side of things, Baker Mayfield continues to struggle. I don't know what's, what's happening with him. He finished the day 23-37, 249 yards, one touchdown and three interceptions. He did get a rushing touchdown, but yeah, he, he left the game in the third quarter with a hip injury after hit after getting hit and landing awkwardly. He did come back, but three receptions, uh, three interceptions again today takes a total to 11 on the season. Just to put that into context, he finished 2018-2019 season with 14. So he, uh, he like I say, he's looking, he's looking lost at times. Now, the O-line aren't helping. They, they've they been poor for much of the year. He's not given much time to find the right player that he wants his first reads. But, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of this is on him. He's, his pocket presence hasn't been the best. Despite that, the Browns did start strong, though. They scored 20 points from their first three drives. Obviously, as you can see from the scoreline, they only then got eight for the remainder of the game. Most of this came through Nick Chubb who is another running back who has looked very impressive and he's arguably the most dominant player for the Browns at the moment. He ended the day with 20 rushing attempts, 122 yards and two touchdowns. The only other player of note, um, and it was good to see another impressive display despite the uh, quarterback troubles, was Beckham. Six receptions, 101 yards. Obviously, unfortunately, he didn't get the touchdown, but it's good to see him get over 100 yards, especially with the uh, with the way the quarterback's been playing but yeah not much else to talk about on this obviously like I say the the Baker Mayfield troubles continue but I hope they sort themselves out but he's not looked anything like the player he did in his rookie year uh, and it is quite concerning at the moment moving on to an AFC North battle between the winless Bengals who visited the Ravens the Ravens did win this one 23-17 it all started so well for the Bengals 
uh, 92-yard kick return from kickoff by Brandon Wilson, but that was really as good as it got right up to garbage time where Andy Dalton run, ran in a, a, a TD. But apart from that, they were stagnant as they have been much of the season. There's nothing in the rushing game. Joe Mixon, eight attempts for only 10 yards. The only bright spark of this offence at the moment is Auden Tate, arguably get, only getting his opportunity because Green remains out, but he finished the day with five catches for 91 yards and he was targeted 12 times. They tried to get Boyd into the game, Tyler Boyd, um, with seven targets, but the Ravens shut him down for most of the game. He, he ended the day with three for 10 yards. And this, this offence just looks lost, to be honest. The whole team looks lost as a matter of fact. And that shows with the way the Ravens played. I mean, Lamar Jackson, 21 completions off 33 attempts. He threw for 236 yards, but he didn't score a touchdown. They took full advantage. The Ravens took full advantage of the Bengals' defence. Lamar finished the day with 19 rushing attempts for 152 yards and a touchdown. He ran for 100 yards in the first half. Bengals are, I believe, the worst defence in the league, stat-wise, at the moment. And that just showed shown in Sunday's game. Mark Ingram finished the day with 13 attempts, 52 yards and a touchdown. There wasn't much to speak of in the passing game. Mark Andrews did end the day with 99 yards, but the the Ravens retake the top spot with obviously the Browns, as I previously mentioned, losing. And obviously we all know the Bengals, they are they are now 0-6 and currently they are the bottom team in the NFL. Obviously they've played one more game than the, the Dolphins, um, who sit 0-5. But the Bengals at this rate will be fighting for that number one overall pick. I do believe they'll win a game this year. I can't see them being a um, 0-16 team. They look poor for most of the game. And the scoreline was obviously more flattering for them because of the 92-yard kick return to start. Not much else to talk about on that one. So we'll move on to the next game, which uh, will likely be another quick conversation. The 49ers. Uh, against the Rams. Uh, the 49ers won this one 20-7. Now that um, scoreline looks a lot more flattering than it should be because the 49ers put the Rams to bed in this game. They The Rams looked very poor. The 49ers defence looked incredibly impressive. And the, the Niners are unbeaten and they're the only other team aside from the Patriots that are unbeaten in the NFL at the moment. A lot of the media argued before the game that they've had a softer schedule, which is the reason why they were unbeaten. But being able to see see off the Rams and in the way they did uh, especially from a defensive point of view proves that this this record is no fluke the the Niners defense stopped pretty much everything that the Rams threw at them aside from the opening touchdown drive they they completely they completely stopped Goff uh, and co Jimmy Garoppolo from the offensive side of things he he played the game well he counted the Rams impressive pass rushing display by getting the ball out quickly uh, and allowing his wide receivers to do the work. And he also leaned on Kittle heavily, who, despite carrying a groin issue for most of the week, was able to catch all eight of his targets for 108 yards. On the Rams side of things, like I say, this offence was, was pretty horrendous. A lot of this was to do with the 49ers' defence. They played, they played very well. The Rams' O-line are suffering from a few injuries, but Goff, looked lost for majority of the game. He only threw for 78 yards. He was sacked four times. And this is McVeigh's 
third loss in a row this season and it's the first time since he's been in charge that this has happened. I do expect the Rams to bounce back. They do face the Falcons next week and then they have the winless Bengals the week after that. So I do expect them to bounce back. Obviously, Gurley did miss this game through injury. Hopefully, he can return next week. With Goff only throwing for 78 yards, there was no real offensive players of note, unfortunately. And the Rams ended... 0 for 9 on 3rd downs and 0 for 4 on 4th downs. Like I say, they got completely shut out aside from the opening touchdown from by the uh, 49ers. The only saving grace for them or was that the defense kept them in the game for so long when really they should have so they shouldn't have been. They they shut down the the previously impressive run game of the Niners and only allowed 2.4 yards per rush on 41 attempts, but Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. The offense, like I say, couldn't get it done, and and this game sort of was closer on the scoreline than it should have been. Moving on to a very closely contested game between two rather poor defenses. The Falcons visited the Cardinals, and the Cardinals did win this one, 34-33. And the Falcons can probably feel a bit hard done by. They they were. Better in total yards, first down, red zone appearances. They had the ball more. But unfortunately, it all came down to a a game-tying kick in the fourth quarter that Matt Bryant missed. Um, Bryant had previously been perfect all year. Unfortunately, he missed the extra point and the Cardinals on the subsequent drive were able to, to wind the clock down and see out the game. Matt Ryan looked impressive again, completing 30 passes. Uh, 356 yards and four touchdowns. He didn't throw an interception. And Freeman had arguably his best out of the season so far. 19 attempts, 88 yards on the ground. Um, and he also caught three passes for 30 yards and two touchdowns. A positive sign with him obviously missing all of last year. He started slowly. It's good to see that he's now being given the workload fully. Um, Ito Smith, I believe, only registered three rushing attempts but this is the Freeman that we remember from old and, and hopefully it can continue. Passing wise obviously Austin Hooper got had another very impressive display uh, he caught eight passes 117 yards and one touchdown he's proven one of the most reliable tight ends in the game besides obviously the the big the big three that we are aware of. Julio Jones this week finished with eight receptions for 108 yards um, and Calvin Ridley had a relatively good day after after a couple of quiet performances. Four receptions, 48 yards and a touchdown. It set the world alight, but it was uh, it's better than we've seen at times this year from him. Like I said, the defences of both these teams are two of the worst in the league uh, alongside the Bengals. And the Cardinals showed that. They scored on their first five drives of the game. This was a game where Murray could get some confidence and he did say 27 completions of 37 attempts 340 yards and three touchdowns he also ran the ball 11 times for 32 yards most of it was done in the first half they almost actually squandered the game in the second half Murray was not as efficient and he only threw for 100 yards and obviously like I say the Falcons almost came back to win well to tie this game up and take it to overtime but obviously the Cardinals were able to see it out but it was good for Murray to have this sort of game. He's he's looked okay at times this season. Obviously, this this offense isn't the best, um, and this was the sort of game he needed to to get a bit of confidence. And hopefully, it continues from here. One thing to note is um, Kingsbury's offense offense is uh, quite lopsided at times. Whilst Murray looked good in this game against a, a poor defense, 
the same can't be said for David Johnson. He had 12 attempts, 31 yards and one touchdown on the ground. His passing was much better. Six receptions, 68 yards and one touchdown. But yeah, like I say, he actually only finished with one yard more than Chase Edmonds. And Chase Edmonds only had two attempts and scored a touchdown for 33 yards. Um, a lot of it will come down to the O-line. It's a, it's a poor O-line. It's probably one of the worst in the leagues. But David Johnson has previously been a, a very impressive running back and it's a shame to see him struggling. Hopefully, Kingsbury can sort of get him a bit more involved, um, sort the O-line out because, again, it's another player that people have invested highly in um, and barring one or two games... His performances have not been great. So we will move on to the next game, which is the Cowboys versus the Jets. And surprisingly, the winless Jets did record their first win of the season. They won 24-22. And obviously this was the return of Sam Darnold, who missed the last four weeks with Mono. And he he looked pretty good in his first game back he looked comfortable in the pocket he had good pocket presence and like I say he was solid despite the uh, prolonged absence he ended the day 23 completions off 32 attempts 338 yards two touchdowns and one interception he obviously looked a bit shaky at times and the interception could have been avoided but this is the sort of display that the Jets fans would have been looking forward to on his first game back and, like I say, recorded their first win of the season. Highlight of the day from the Jets had to be the uh, 92-yard pass from Darnold to Robbie Anderson from their own eight-yard line. It was an impressive display. Darnold uh, was rushed. For Forgive me, I can't remember. Dallas defender, um, but... He was rushed. He managed to step up in the pocket, release the ball, um, and like I say, it went for 92 yards. The Jets' defence have struggled for much of the year, especially since with Mosley being out, um, but they looked much better today. They shut down a previously explosive Cowboys offence for the majority of the game, um, and the longest play that the Cowboys were able to get was only 23 yards. So the the Jets sort of were critical in the in the win for them today, which was good to see. Bell was given 14 attempts. That went for 50 yards and a touchdown. He didn't have much involvement, surprisingly, in the passing game. Yeah, in, in Adam Gase's offence, he's not going to be as, as efficient as he was and as impressive as he was, was when he was in the Steelers. This is a, this is a, a worse offence. Uh, I don't rate Adam Gase as, an, as a coordinator, and I, I don't believe Bell is a first-round talent whilst he plays on Gase. Um, from the Cowboys side of things, well, after such an impressive start to the season, granted it was against weaker opposition, they now find themselves at 500. Pat Prescott was, like I said before, the Jets shut him down for most of the game. He was consistently hassled in the backfield. He was only sacked once, but he took eight QB hits. What made it worse for the Cowboys was Amari Cooper got injured after only five minutes and was forced to leave the game. He unfortunately didn't come back. They were already missing Randall Cobb and their two starting tackles on the line, and it just proved too much for them on the day. They couldn't get much going through the air with uh, Gallup, Witten and Tavon Austin, and all they really had was Ezekiel Elliott, who he had 28. Attempts, 105 yards, one touchdown. But even he was stuffed for for a lot of the game. And, and you can see from the amount of attempts that he, he was given, they had to rely on him throughout most of the day. Um, and unfortunately, they couldn't come away with this one. Prescott's stat line was 28 completions off 40 attempts, 277 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, he did brush in a touchdown, which you can expect from Prescott. But yeah, they... 
this was a game that they that they really needed to win uh, against a, a previously winless Jets defense. And obviously, this would have been a game that they would have uh, been able to take advantage of the Eagles and actually be top of the NFC East. They now find themselves second. Obviously, the Eagles and Cowboys are both three and three, and this is going to be an interesting, an interesting season for for both of these teams. Moving on to our next game, we this one was an absolute barnstormer. The Titans visited the Broncos, and the Broncos shut the Titans out and won this game sixteen to zero. Not much to talk about. On the Titans side of things, barring Mariota was benched in the third quarter after an absolutely woeful performance. Uh, he ended the first half with 62 yards and he was pulled from the game after three passes into the second half where he threw his second interception of the day. Tannehill came in. He was an improvement over Mariota. He actually threw for 144 yards, completed 13 of 16 attempts, but did throw a touchdown, uh, did throw an interception, sorry, and could not get any points on the board for the Titans. Derek Henry was stuffed for the whole game by uh, by the Broncos, and yeah, like they, they just couldn't get anything going and, and looked woeful, to be honest. On the Broncos' side of things, their defence won this game for them, much like they did last year, last last um, week. They have now won two games in a row, uh, and this is the sort of defence that we expected to see from Vic Fangio. They produced seven sacks on the day. They'd only recorded five in the last five games, so they are starting to find their feet as a defensive outfit. Um, and expect them to continue to impress despite the fact that uh, Chubb, Bradley Chubb is going to be missing the rest of the season. Offensively, Joe Flacco, again, underwhelmed, 18 completions, 177 yards and one interception thrown, no touchdowns. Philip Lindsay, 15 attempts, 70 yards on the ground on one touchdown. Minimal involvement in the air, surprisingly. Royce Freeman was given the ball in the air out of the running backs. He had five pass receptions for 42 yards. Uh, he also had 11 attempts on the ground, but that only came to 34 yards. And not really much else to talk about in this game. It was a defensive display from both sides with the Broncos' defence shutting out the Titans and securing the victory. And on to the final game, which was the late game for the UK. The Steelers visiting the Chargers. And the Steelers won this one 24-17, which I was very happy to wake up and see being a Steelers fan. Um, obviously, as most of us saw last week, Mason Rudolph had that gruesome knockout and unfortunately that meant he missed this game and the undrafted free agent Delvin Hodges was under centre. He wasn't asked to do a great deal. They leaned on the run game. He actually only attempted four passes over 10 yards at the line of scrimmage. Um, none of those were completed and one was an interception, um, but... He, he did well. He, he managed the game the way the Steelers wanted to. This was a scaled-back playbook, understandably. Obviously, before two weeks ago, he was still on the practice squad. He ended the day with 15 completions off 20 attempts, 132 yards, one touchdown and one interception. The Steelers leaned on the game Sorry, leaned on the run game. James Connor was by far and away the best player on the pitch until unfortunately he left in the third quarter through with a quad injury. He had 16 rushing attempts for 41 yards and one touchdown. And he also was the leading receiver for the Steelers with seven catches for 78 yards and one touchdown. When he did leave the game, um, Benny Snell, the, the rookie, came in and was, was was very impressive, actually. 17 rushing attempts for 75 yards, no touchdowns. The Steelers' defence were the difference for them today uh, on 
Sunday, sorry. In particular, Devin Bush had an absolutely standout game. Seven total tackles, one interception and also a fumble recovery that he took to the house for a touchdown. And he continues to build on his early Defensive Rookie of the Year hype. He's he's probably up there as the, the number one at the moment. Uh, and if he continues to play this way, he should he should bring home that award at the end of the year. It was good to see uh, the victory. I'll be honest, I was I was surprised that they managed to uh, managed to get this one. Um, the Steelers haven't started the season well. Obviously, they've had two injuries now to the the quarterback position. But yeah, I think this is probably uh, one of those up and down seasons for the Steelers. On the Chargers' side of the ball, Rivers looked uncharacteristically poor in the pocket against the Steeler pressure. They were missing two key offensive linemen, but surprisingly, they were shut out for three quarters. Uh, it wasn't until the fourth quarter that they almost almost came back and won it, where, and they scored all 17 of their points in the, in the fourth quarter. Rivers finished the day, 26 completions of 44 attempts, 320 yards two touchdowns and two interceptions. The rushing game was almost non-existent. Melvin Gordon, 8 for 18 on the ground and Austin Eckler, 5 for 14. Very, very surprising considering the Steelers' pass defence were averaging 99 yards against them in the four of the last five games. Chargers were only able to amass 32 yards was very surprising and must have been very disappointing for the Chargers fans. Uh, One highlight of the day was not only Hunter Henry's return from injury but also the fact he had an absolute monster game eight receptions 100 yards and two touchdowns he is a difference maker in the red zone he proved that when he was fit two years ago and he showed it again today unfortunately the charges inefficiency on the offense getting to the red zone meant that they couldn't exploit Henry enough and and that was the difference maker. The, like I say, the Steelers' defense shut them down for a lot of the game. Rivers looked off for most of it. They couldn't. They couldn't unfortunately pull it back in the fourth quarter. Largely down to Barry, the Steelers' punter, getting the ball to the one-yard line. Rivers then threw it long, and it was intercepted and secured Steelers a victory. And and that is it for this week. It's a bit of a quicker one than you usually expect, obviously, with uh, just myself on my own. I do hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can find all of uh, the Five Yard Rush articles by all of the lads at the Five Yard Rush website. You can find myself on Twitter at addicted to underscore ff. Uh, you can also find my articles on the 5 Yard Brush website. And that is about it for this week. I hope to see you all again or next week. Uh, but until next week, keep on rushing. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.